So, um, as I mentioned before, this week is known as Holy Week, or others will refer to the Passion of Christ and and the the week of His Passion, right? His sufferings. As we get uh, closer to um, His crucifixion, things start to kind of uh, begin to unfold uh, in this drama uh, that God plays on the stage of human history with His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He sent to, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So now, and uh, from this point on, whereas in the past, Jesus told people when He ministered to them or when He healed them, He told them to keep quiet, not to tell anyone. Now He's allowing people to know who He is and accepting their worship where in the past he said hey keep it down and there's a reason for that because he knew that the leaders would be provoked into taking action sooner regarding uh, his crucifixion regarding setting him up uh, in those kangaroo courts and uh, bringing in the false witnesses because they wanted to eliminate him they wanted him out of the picture so he would always say hey keep it down now he's saying, I'm going to take what I deserve. And so we're going to look at the triumphal entry today. I want you to keep that in mind. Keep that in mind that now things are going to start to run their course. And it's amazing how fast things move, which lets you know that they had already these plans ahead of time. Okay? So that's where we're at. It's, in math. it's going to be found in Matthew uh, 21 and notice up on the screen there's like a little title for the sermon and uh, it's in the passage and it's who is this the question that the crowd asks because of his uh, when he comes into Jerusalem how they're praising him and singing uh, glory to God in the highest Hosanna Hosanna blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord and so who is this that's being praised and worshiped well, we know, looking back, it's Jesus. But at that moment, in that particular time, when he's coming into Jerusalem, there are expectations. Okay? Now, how many of us have things we ex are expecting? How many of us have desires where we want something? We want it so bad that we will create in our minds um, or believe something that's not actually happening. We want something to go a certain way because of our circumstances that we will actually be deceived into believing something that's not actually true. Anybody know what, kind of what I'm talking about? We want something so bad we actually create it in our minds and that's what we're waiting for, and we don't see reality. So today, uh, also, uh, as they ask the question of who is this, I'm also going to throw out another thought for you just to let it filter and percolate a little bit. Is, and I'm going to suggest to you that this one who came into Jerusalem, this one who they asked, who is this, is the Jesus they never knew. The one they didn't, want and when it comes to knowing who Jesus is we need to be very careful 
not to create a Jesus that doesn't actually exist. We can want so much from God that we, for instance, he, we can turn him into a cosmic butler or a genie in a bottle. You know, we just kind of like move our magic wand and Jesus does what we want him to for our lives. That's not how it works. That's what I want us to do. We see this story. I want you to think about these things that I just mentioned. Who is this? So let's read it. If you don't mind standing with me, I'm just going to read the 11 verses. And then we're just going to dig around and see where, where this goes. Kind of know where I want it to go, but we'll see where it goes. Amen? Don't you guys just love God's Word? Fascinated by what I find here sometimes. So this section is known as the triumphal entry. Uh, chapter 21, verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. Just going to make a quick comment. It's interesting that he tells his disciples to go find this donkey and this colt. That's, that has a colt with her. And he says, you know, just untie them and bring them here. As if though he owned them. He's going to use something that belongs to someone else. And this is a subtle way of seeing that God is in control, and he's truly the owner of everything. And it's time for his will to be uh, fulfilled, for his purpose for coming to be fulfilled, and everything just falls into place. Just an observation as we go through this. That's not my sermon. just want you to see this. That I mean, it's like if I were to send uh, George and say, hey, there's a real nice Cadillac out here. I want you to go get it for me. I need it. Oh, well, what did the owner say something? Don't worry about it. They're going to approve. And they're like thinking, they're going to approve? Yeah, they're going to approve. Why? Because it's God's will that this happened at this particular time. Because it was prophesied, and that's what the next section says. Right? If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. I'll throw this out too. It's all free stuff for right now. The Lord wants to use your stuff. That's what I see here. Do you see that, George? He wants to use your stuff. Actually, it's not your stuff. You're just borrowing it. You guys know that, right? Everything you have is really not yours. It's his. He's just letting you rent it or use it. Really. Even the next breath is not yours. It's his. I'm just, just to see, this is who we're dealing with, and he's doing this, and sometimes we just read right past it. We don't even realize who's doing this and what he's doing. Amen? You agree with me, Jesus? You see that? I mean, it's like, it's, you can just read the story. Oh, what a cute story. You're going to go get a little donkey. Aww. Yeah. So cute. But there's so much behind it. I mean, this doesn't happen normally. So, why did this happen and why, why this issue with the uh, with the donkey 
Look what it says in verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, prophet Zechariah, thousands of years earlier, or a thousand at least. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went, and notice, they did as Jesus had directed them. They're obedient. Right? They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on, uh, on them, their cloaks, their jackets and coats, sarapes. And he, sat, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees thus Palm Sunday, and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Why don't we just pray a word of prayer. So thank you, Father, for uh, this special week, Holy Week, where we as your church, as those of us that are redeemed, can take uh, a time to go back and look again a second, a third, a fourth time. Father, uh, analyze and, and, and wonder, Lord, and, re and remember all that you had done for us and why. We just thank you, Father, for moments like this so we can refresh um, our faith and we can understand uh, why you came and for and for whom you came and we're so blessed lord if we understand that because then it causes us lord to uh, respond by faith to so great a salvation that's offered by our lord and savior jesus christ so we ask you to bless this time your word in jesus name amen all right guys have a seat now, there's the triumphal entry. Uh, by the way, the word Hosanna means save now. So there's a people who are crying out to Jesus, save now, like save us now. The question is, what's he going to save them from? Amen? So there's excitement. There's expectation. Here comes Jesus riding into the holy city, Jerusalem. And everyone in their minds, as I said a moment ago, has a script they want to see played out. The leaders have a script they're gonna, they want to see played out. These people who are crying out, Hosanna, uh, right? Blessed is he uh, that comes in the name of the Lord. They have a script they want played out. The disciples have a script they want played out. Expectations, right? Jesus has a script he's going to play out. You guys see where this is going? Everybody has what they think is happening. And what's going to happen is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And that is that this is the week where he's being led in every instance 
And in every action and reaction, every cause and effect is leading him to Calvary's cross. Nothing will interfere with that. There will be these courts that he, and, and these uh, judgments that are going to take place that don't seem fair, but that's how it's supposed to work. There are going to be witnesses who are set up to lie, and that's what they're going to do. There are going to be leaders. There's going to be the Pharisees, the leadership of Israel. They're like the Supreme Court. There were 70 of them. They're going to be the high priests. There's going to be the, the religious establishment. They got their ideas, and they're going, to, they're going to bring them about. And then there's the common people, and they're, they're, they're like being kind of like hit back and forth of it like a ping pong ball in emotions and expectations and they have their idea of what of who Jesus is and then of course um, ultimately the most important thing is the father's plan and what he wants to be played out that's how life is isn't it there's that tension all the time just leave the doors and go out into the world and Go to work and you'll see those things. There's always these things that are going on. People trying to manipulate. People trying to control things. People trying to set things up. You know? Isn't that right, Yolanda? Just go to work tomorrow. Yet, and all of it, is God's sovereign will for his son. So, uh, everybody wants to see these things played out. And then someone asks, and this is where I kind of want to start at, at verse 10. Someone asks a question, the way it says, and when he entered Jerusalem, verse 10, the whole city was stirred up saying, so it's all of them were saying, who is this? You know, what's with the parade? You know? So the greatest question I think that could ever be asked, who is this? Now, we have the benefit of 21 centuries behind us, amen, to answer the question of who is this. Uh, we have the benefit of uh, Bible scholars and uh, schools of theology and pastor after pastor and teacher after teacher answering the question of who is this. But think about it in that moment. Uh, they didn't know, they didn't understand. They had, again, uh, their script, they had their expectations. And what I want to say again and reemphasize is that this is the Jesus they never expected. This is the Jesus they didn't know was coming. But he would tell his disciples on a number of occasions in their three-year ministry, in his three-year ministry, that he was going to be betrayed by the leaders, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to die and be in the tomb for three days and then rise after three days. But they never really captured it till after the resurrection. We hear, we hear of it many times in the Gospels where he tells them that. And in one occasion, and I'm going to talk to you about it a little bit here, was when Jesus when he was with his disciples, asked the same question in Matthew 16. So I'm just going to read it. You don't have to go there, right? Remember that these are the Jews. These are the people that have the oracles of God in their hands. In other words, they had the scriptures in their hands, right? 
These are God's people. These are thousands of years since Abraham. And then you have, you know, Moses and, and then Joshua and all the David, that whole history. So that's who that's who these people are. They have the scriptures, they have the prophecies, they have expectations. So it's not just like he just shows up like randomly. No, he shows up at the time to fulfill the scriptures, right? They have the revelation of God. So in many ways, we're like the church, uh, like the Old Testament uh, kingdom of Israel. We have God's word. We have God's revelation. We have God's promises. We have God's power. How are we using it? How are we reacting to it? So, they ask that question, who is this? Hoping it's the Messiah. Could it be the Messiah? And so, Jesus, in Matthew 16, when he first starts his ministry, he sits down with his disciples and he asks them in uh Matthew 16, 13, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, notice this, who do people say I am? In this case, who do people say that the Son of Man is? is that's how he describes himself. The Son of Man is a title given to the Messiah by Daniel. It's the first time we hear it. We'll see it in other parts of the scripture, the terminology Son of Man, because he's a man, but he's also, in the title, it's understood that he's the Messiah. He's God's son. So what do people say about Jesus? Have you ever asked people in your testimony, in your witnessing, in your evangelizing of people? Who do people say Jesus is? Man, you will get all kinds of opinions. Right? Ah, oh, he's a good teacher. He's a wise Man, wonderful teacher, love people. Oh, he's all those things, but wait, believe me, he's way more than that. But that's what people will say. And so in this time, they say, oh, he's John the Baptist. Oh, some say he's Elijah, others Jeremiah, or he's one of the prophets. So the people really don't know. And there's a reason why they mentioned John the Baptist was beheaded, but some believe that Jesus was the uh, resurrected John the Baptist. That's Part of history. Same thing with um, Elijah. Remember, Elijah went into the clouds on a fire, of chari a chariot of fire. Some people, believe, and there's this promise that he would return before the second coming, of, or, or before the coming of the Messiah. So they thought it was Elijah. Jeremiah. Why Jeremiah? Jeremiah is the prophet that carried the daughters of Zedekiah, which was the king of Israel, in this case Judah, when Babylon takes him into captivity. But he grabs the daughters who are the heirs of the kingdom, trying to protect the birthrights, right? Because the sons were murdered. And then they disappear into history. We never hear about Jeremiah again. So that's why they say, oh, some people say it's Jeremiah, Elijah, you know, John the Baptist. What are they saying today about Jesus? What are people saying? They, people have all their opinions, don't they? Right? Everybody has an opinion. Right? Opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. Right? And? What are they saying? Who is this? Well, we have the privilege... We have this amazing gift called the Bible. Do you realize that we can actually read it and study it and let it say what it 
wants to tell us about who Jesus is, we don't have to invent something. We can actually do it. And you happen to have a pastor who's actually interested in doing it. Going through these scriptures and wrestling with you over who this is and what he's actually saying to us and challenging you, hey, now go do it. You go and have a relationship with Christ. This is who he is. I don't know if you understand how how wonderful that is. I'm up here wrestling with you every time I'm up here or in a Sunday school class or Wednesday night Bible study. And all I'm trying to do is get you to see what the Bible says about them. Not what I think. I have my opinion on some areas that are great, but I'll tell you that. I'm not real sure about this. I kind of settled it. I could go either way, but the bottom line, the core teachings, we need to know them so that we can know Him. Because it's not about Anything other than a relationship with Christ. He's the Savior. Amen? So that's what they did back then. And so finally Jesus says, Okay, uh, I hear what people have, are saying about me. And then he looks at his disciples and he says to them, But who do you say that I am? The greatest question ever asked. And when they ask in the triumphal entry, Who is this? That's the greatest question ever asked. Who do you personally, not what others think, what do you say and who do you say Jesus is? The correct answer can save you. The correct answer can forgive you of all your sins that are contra- against God and would keep you out of heaven. The correct answer will open the doors to heaven and eternal life. The correct answer builds and establishes a relationship with the one and only King of King and Lord of Lords. So it does matter who we think he is. It does matter who came into Jerusalem that day. And for Peter, it does matter that he said, Oh, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Correct. And then Jesus says, Wow, you are blessed, Simon, by Barjona, son of Simon. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. To know who Jesus is isn't something that you can come up with the answer intellectually. It's something that the Holy Spirit reveals to you. Or the Father in heaven. So, in this particular case, Simon's the one who answered correctly. I believe the other disciples were also leaning this way. He was their spokesman. And then not too far after this incident, Jesus says in chapter 16 of Matthew, hey, by the way, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to suffer the hands of the leadership. They're going to crucify me, bury me, but three days later I'm going to resurrect. And you know what Peter says? Oh Lord, be, be it far from you. And when he said that, you know what Jesus told Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. See, Satan doesn't want us to believe that he had to die and that he would rise from the dead. He had to die to pay for our sins. He's the one who pays our debt with the price, the precious price of his blood. 
that was shed for us. That's, in God's economy, the only way we can be forgiven is that the one who is worthy pays the price. That's why he's called the Redeemer. He's the one who pays. And then, if he doesn't resurrect from the dead, and we're going to hear a lot more about this in this coming week because we're going to hit the resurrection Sunday, next Sunday. Some call it Easter, right? And the resurrection is God's stamp of approval on the finished work of Christ. He says, paid in full. Paid in full. It is finished. Means paid in full in the Greek. Tetelestai. Paid in full. So we can go to him and he can forgive us our sins and we can have a relationship with him for free because he paid it. It's the greatest of gifts. So it does matter who this is. Like they were asking. Again, everybody wrestles with their opinions, but we should strive and we should be challenged to understand what the Bible tells us who Jesus is. To discover this because we have the Bible telling us who it is. So we know that this same crowd that's there singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes uh, in, in the name of the Lord. We know that same crowd who's going to throw down their cloaks, their, their branches, they receive him like a conquering general. That was the whole purpose of it. This idea of uh, kind of a red carpet re reception for Jesus. This same crowd, not too soon, late, or not too, not too far off in the, in, the, in the days to come, would be mocking him, scorning him, and casting him aside, crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Wow, people are fickle, aren't they? Can we know these stories, right? See, Jesus comes on that Palm Sunday and he approaches Jerusalem bravely and there's some things he knows that he's aware of and it's the condition of the hearts of Israel and also the condition of the hearts of the whole world. And so... The Jews, though, they see Jesus coming in and what they want is to be set free from the heavy oppression of the Romans. So there were taxes. There was a cruel system of laws. There were executions that are always taking place with seditionists. They didn't like the fact that these people were occupying their territory. So when they see Jesus coming in, they see a conquering general, a warrior. They think he's going to overthrow Rome and establish the millennial kingdom. See the, 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 the difference here? He sees their hearts and their sin and understands that his purpose, as John the Baptist would say when he saw him, that is Jesus walking on the side of the Jordan River, John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So he's coming in not to conquer, not to defeat their enemies, but he's coming in to die 
for the sins of the world is the Lamb of God. Two different, completely different things going on at the same time. So they were in search of someone. They desired a king, a conqueror, as I mentioned, this one that had been promised to them in the scriptures. They had seen his mighty works. They had seen his, his miracles, him rest, restoring sight to the blind, casting out demons, and, 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 and feeding the multitudes during his ministry. They saw all these things. They, they even marveled at his teachings. It was so much better than the supposed leadership of the time. Right? And not too, not too far away from an incident that happened a couple of days earlier was the resurrection of Lazarus. So his fame had grown to a peak. And that's why they lined up on that morning, that Sunday, if you will, called the Triumphal Entry or Palm Sunday. The other thing that was approaching was the Passover. There's a lot going on here. So Jesus, according to Paul, is our Passover lamb. He was going to actually step into the Passover, which is going to be on Wednesday. He was coming literally when he called his disciples, hey, let's go celebrate the Passover, now known as the Lord's Supper. It got converted from the Passover to the Lord's Supper. That's what we're going to do today. Jesus is headed toward that day where he himself in his body will fulfill the Passover. Right? He's going to literally fulfill it in, him, in himself. Even though that day there's going to be thousands of lambs slain by the Jewish leaders and the priests in the, in the temple like they had been doing for thousands of years. But here comes the one who will die once and for all, for all of Israel and all of the world. That's a walk. That's a tough walk. He knew. He's the only one that knew how and when he would die. And where. And yet knowing all the pain and suffering he would go through, he still went. Why? Because of his love for us. Because he knew if he didn't go, we were eternally doomed. Man, I love Jesus, don't you? He didn't do it for any other reason. Well, it was the will of the Father, so he was being obedient to the Father. But he was also being obedient to the Father because of the plan the Father had for him to be the one to die for the sins of the world. So he did it for us, sent by the Father, his heavenly Father. So, Jesus approaches Jerusalem, right? And what they were expecting was this conquering warrior. And in those days, when they came back from victories of wars and other lands and countries, they would have this kind of celebration where the palms were laid down, where they celebrated the conquering king, right? And here comes Jesus. And he's not riding on a black stallion. <laughs> he's coming in on a donkey. It's like if the president were to show up in a Volkswagen instead of a big, fancy, black 
blinking continental. Now, wait a minute. That's the president? He's going right down here at Acacia and he's in a little Volkswagen? Yeah. What does it say? That he came on a donkey, right? Riding on a donkey, the one that he asked for? Humble. He didn't come to conquer. He came to, in humility because he was going to go to the cross. He came in, in gesturing mercy and grace and love. He didn't come threatening. He didn't come to destroy. He came to die for the sins of the world. Right? So, you know, they see him. They don't see any troops following him. They don't see a revolt taking place. A conspiracy to overthrow the Sanhedrin. They don't see none of that. Right? And so... Here he comes. And how does he come? Riding on a donkey. And so they ask the question, who is this? What is going on here? How much longer do we have to put up with these Romans? They, verse 4 says, they, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, to the daughter of Zion. And yes, behold, your king is coming to you. He showed up that day, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, and the, 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 the full of a beast of burden. You know what I say? Thank God our humble king was mounted on a donkey. Because if he had come like he will come in the second coming, they were all condemned. All of them. If he had come as king to conquer, as a warrior, it would have been the end right then and there of, of time and of history. And he would establish his a thousand year reign. But that's still to come. We're waiting for him, right? So this animal is a symbol of humility, this animal here, this donkey is a symbol of peace. And he doesn't come in, in in majesty, but rather in mercy, as I'm saying. Isn't that beautiful? That's how Jesus shows up. And what they do is they sing, and let me just talk a little bit about the Hosanna. That's taken out of Psalm 118, 25. It, it, it could be interpreted like this when they see him. Save us now, Lord! Or... Lord, liberate us. Or they could have even been saying, rescue us, help us, give us the victory, Lord. It was a prayer of uh, praise. That's what they were doing. But what do they want to be saved from? Rome, not their sins. So, by the way, he's called the son of David. The reason is because the son of David is a messianic term from the Old Testament. So, no, a military conqueror does not appear like in Jude 14. Go read it. Write it down of your notes. Those are your taking notes. His purpose was not to conquer Rome, but rather, listen, his purpose was to conquer hearts. Your heart. Amen? His purpose 
was to conquer the hearts of sinful men. To conquer the power of sin in his death. Jesus did come to save. But he came to save us from sin. Didn't have any national aspirations. He did not plan a military intervention. No political shenanigans or things going on there. No economic promises. No utopian ideas. Because that's what we want Jesus to be. No social agendas. Just a Savior. Wow. See how we can want so many different things? But he's not, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about our national aspirations. He could care less about our military power or our political position. He doesn't care at all. Or our economics. Right? Or social justice. He could care less. We're all doomed to die without the forgiveness of our sins. He cares about our eternal destiny. And the only way that can happen is that he goes to the cross for us. Amen? <laughs> I think I'm getting a little bit excited up here. Yeah, he came to save. He came to save. So, my challenge to you is based on what we're reading here. Um, will you let Jesus be the Jesus He is in your life? Will you take on the difficulty of having to wrestle through a lot of garbage that's being peddled Claiming to be who Jesus is and know him for who he is. Right? The one who did come in as Lord and King, but with only one purpose to conquer your heart. And guess what? He won't take it by violence or force, he will only receive your heart when you voluntarily give it to him. By faith. That's it. There really isn't anything else. He wants you, by your own choice, to receive Him and the gift that He offers when He went to Calvary's cross. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. It's a demonstration. It's a testimony that we have received what he offered us. Amen? That we do celebrate the cross because of the victory that was won there. So, that's my sermon. Let's do this. Let's pray for the sermon and then we'll have uh, whoever's going to come up and help me. I guess we have Valdito and Sammy, I guess. So, Father, thank you uh, this morning for the beginning of Holy Week. And thank you, Lord, for uh, giving us again and again um, the truth about why Jesus came, the purpose of his coming and his mission and his cross. Help us, Lord, never to diminish the importance. Help us never to mix it or to in any way distort or pervert, Lord, the good news. It's simple. Jesus came to die for sinners. 
Jesus came as a lamb. Pay the debt that we owed. Because we had a debt we owed that we couldn't pay. So simple. Help us not to complicate it. But help us to receive it by faith. And to guard it in our hearts always. Thankful for your love. Thankful for your plan. And thankful for the fact, Lord, that we have made the decision willingly and freely to know him as our Savior and the Lord of our lives. And we thank and ask you all of this in his precious name. Amen.